Well, we're going to start a new series that's uh, something you've heard before, ever-increasing sacrificial generosity tied to the idea that we want to flourish in exile. But I'd like to ask for permission to do something today. I've never done this, and I'd like to be, I'd like to be very clearly grateful to you and to the Lord this day. I've never, I'm going to share with you things about our church's financial situation I've never done publicly. Our leaders know this. But I'd just like to do it to say thank you. And I'm taking a risk because I know we're online and this is all going to get out. So I want you to hear the heart behind what I'm going to share. What I really want to focus on is thank you, Lord, for the gift of new life. And thank you, Third Church family, for your incredible generosity. That's really what we're going to focus on this morning in this series. And I'll explain more in just a moment. But let me start at the back end. So this is a risk. So hear my heart. If you have a problem, my email address is kevink at trcpella.com. The third church is one of the thousand largest churches in America. That's how this has happened. No one knows about the spirit. Churches our size typically keep all the resources the congregation gives and they hold it internally. Generally, for large churches, about 6 to 8% are given away. In the last audit, or we audit again next month, in the last year's audit in the year, you gave away 40.1% of all the offerings you gave. That's something. And we're going to, if next two weeks, we're going to give you the annual report. But on page 46 is a list of 55 places that received one of those, some of those $1.3 million. But there's way more than that, and I'm going to talk more about all this as we go ahead, but that's where I want to end up. I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your generosity, for God so loved, he gave his only son. Praise God, amen? But I am grateful I get to be part of a church who allows us to be this generous. And I'm going to read some letters from people across this region and the world who are saying thank you. So what we're going to do over these next weeks is we're going to talk about an ever-increasing sacrificial generosity. Now let me put all into context. I may have slide number uh, two, please. So this is, our, this is the, the pictorial description of our strategic plan and our core values. Around the outside has been the preaching theme for the last two years. Flourishing in exile, and the idea is Christendom has been moved to the margins of culture. I've been suggesting this is a wonderful place to be. We get a chance to influence culture by being gracious, kind, good stewards of the kingdom, living out kingdom life. We've tied it to our four core values. Every ministry in this church is trying to run around intimacy, identity, belonging, and purpose. So whenever you see things advertised for discipleship, you're going to notice those categories. And we're trying to develop a people who will know and have an intimate relationship with our God. We're trying to be a people who are going deep in our identity that sons and daughters of God. And the phrase we use internally is, we're not orphans, we're adopted children. And then we talk about belonging. We belong to this circle of love. We're all included, part of it. We want others to join us. And our purpose is to express God's goodness, his kingdom, his grace, however he sends us, at our workplaces, at our schools, or wherever we go. 
How do we do that? In the middle, we are trying to be a word and spirit per church. Remember the phrase I've used now for 28 years? All word, no spirit, we dry up. All spirit, no word, we burn up. Word and spirit, we grow up. So we're trying to organize our ministry around word and spirit, specifically connected, and this is the middle bullet, is the purpose of our church. It's been in place for 15 years. The purpose of Third Church is to develop a people, three things, who are carrying, bearing, sharing the fruit of the Spirit. Wherever we go, we are bringing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We're trying to develop a people who are bearing through the Spirit. Secondly, we are people who are growing in intimacy with the triune God. So the last series, the circle of love. And now the third part of our ends policy, our purpose statement is, we are people growing in ever-increasing sacrificial generosity. So the budget that will be coming to you in the next two weeks will, will be a significant one. And let me just be frank with you. If you give much, as much next year as you did this year, we will surpass next year's budget. But we believe we need to keep asking for kingdom resources because we want to keep sharing them. So let me just throw a couple quick stories. So 20% of all the money that you give is put immediately into uh, immediate dispersal. There's another 10% that the executive board, six members of our consistory, elders and deacons, who have the ability and permission, they alone, to disperse that money. So that group just recently dispersed $300,000 for a church plant in Newton, led by Robbie Robinson, African-American man, used to be a welder at Vermeer. Wonderful story. The Vermeer family has supported him in ministry, and now he's planning a church, the way of Newton, the well. This incredible church plant is coming out for people specifically focusing on addictions. So our leaders gave $300,000 for that. Just recently, staff gave a gift of $20,000 for Abide Ministries in Omaha, Nebraska. Abide Ministries is trying to change North Omaha, which 20 years ago had the number one rate, percentage-wise, of young black men being killed in the community. We're trying to change that neighborhood. Ministry is trying to change North Omaha block by block by what they call lighthouses. So what they do is they purchase a house for $14,000, $15,000. They invite Christian folk to come in to rehab it. They sell it at a very low cost to a family who becomes a lighthouse in a block. And what they're trying to do is populate every single block of North Omaha with a lighthouse. We're going to partner with them in multiple ways increasingly. So the summer, think three or four weeks, young people, four, three are going to go from here and join them. Members of our church who are very skilled at organic food and gardening are going to join. It is quite probable that members of our church are going to help them build sustainable gardens for their neighborhoods, and we want to learn from them about multi-ethnicity and life and relationships. We just dispersed $20,000 last week to them. Last week, we gave $15,000 to a ministry that's working with trafficked young women who've been sexually abused. That's just part of your giving. So last year, four... Forty cents of every dollar that you gave was, sh- was shared. Now, wh- why am I, why am I, am I tooting the horn? No, no, no. 
Because I'm going to show you Matthew 6. Jesus says this, wherever your treasure is, that's indicator where the heart is. So may I just be blunt? A church our size, which keeps 93% of its resources, pretty clearly indicates where our heart is. Am I speaking the truth? And we don't want to do that. So, this is where we've been going the last two years. We're going to conclude this by the end of July. Now let's focus this week, first week in ever-increasing sacrificial generosity by looking at the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and the book of 1 Timothy. So could I invite you please to open your Bibles to Matthew, chapter 6. No one's throwing anything yet. We're doing okay. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share. So we're going to go slide four, Jim, if I can have that one, please. Here's the page number. So this is the question I want to ask. Out of this passage, we're going to look at just a few verses. How does my, each of us, can we each of us ask this question? How does my personal relationship with money affect who, what, and how I worship? How does my relationship, which each of us ask ourselves, what is our relationship with money, and how does it affect how we worship? So Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 19 through 24, and they're going to make a couple comments. <clears throat> so Jesus is speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now look at the next verse, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Look up on the screen. So what is my personal relationship with money, and how does it affect how I use, how I use that money? So that's where we're going to go at. Now, verse 22 and 23, I'll read it as is and then translate it for you. 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now let me give you, those are euphemisms. Let me translate it for you. Verse 22. The eye, which means the heart, is the lamp of the body. If your heart is healthy, translate generous, your whole body will be full of light. But... If your heart is stingy, unhealthy, stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light within you is darkness, if you are stingy, how great is that selfishness? Then he said, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Verse 24 no one can serve two masters. Last phrase of 24, you cannot serve God in money. Now, let me give you a, a true story from when I, 40 years ago. Jacques Ewell, uh, and, and, and a theologian of years past, talked about the power of money. So this is something that was so pierced in my heart 40 years ago. And in the conversation with some theologians, they argued from the text of Scripture they just read that money is not neutral. The name that's here in the Greek is mammon. It's a demon. So Jesus is saying you can't love, can't serve him and mammon, a demon. He says you love one, I love one, or I hate the other, Jesus, money, or I love one, I hate the other. But you can't serve both. 
So in the conversation this class, one of the questions I asked the leaders was, so how do we fight this demon called mammon? And this was the answer. You want to defeat the demon called mammon, you become a generous person. So let me tell you where that's taken me. And I'm just doing this for illustration. For 40 years, every year, I have answered six personal accountability questions with our elders and deacons since I was a pastor, 40 years. The last of those six questions is this. What has been your family stewardship to the penny? So this last year, I told 22 leaders of our church those questions, including how much money Lane and I gave away. Why? So I can brag about it today? Heavens no. I want people to hold me accountable because I do want not want the God called mammon to get me. Because I'm going to show you in a minute. Once, once this demon gets a hold of us, ooh, it is really, really hard to break its hold. Money, money is not neutral. Now, the text says the love of money is the root of all evil. Absolutely. But I'm suggesting today, and we can argue about this, but I, my experience, money is not neutral. So how I defeat, how I, Lane and I defeat the power of mammon is we are generous. So that's why I want our leaders every year to know this is how, these are my temptations. This is my stewardship. This is why, because I do not, we do not want mammon to control us. Because Jesus said, where the treasure is, that's where the heart is. So I hope when I'm no longer your pastor, whenever that day is, it could be tomorrow, it could be in a few years, I hope you'll remember me with these two words. I hope you remember that I was kind and I was generous. Because to me, those words reflect our king. Jesus, the economy of the king is full of kindness and generosity. Well, if this is the question, there's worship. Why the warning? Next slide, please. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to focus on verses 9 and 10 just quickly. <clears throat> and I want to take you through the sequence. I want you to actually see the sequence in verses 9 and 10. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're talking about money, generosity, ever-increasing sacrificial generosity. So let's read verses 6 through, through 10, focusing on 9 and 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Now look at verse 9 and verse 10 and watch the sequence. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now let me take you through this. Next slide, next two slides, Jim, and then we're gonna go back to verse 11. Now watch the sequencing. This is right from the passage. What happens when mammon becomes the what that which I worship, watch the sequencing. We easily fall into temptation. This is right from 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. We easily fall into temptations. We become entrapped by those temptations. We give into foolish and harmful desires. We are then plunged into ruin. 
different kinds of ruin, what happens next? Which, lead, which results in destruction, leading to all kinds of evil, causing many to wander from the circle of love, which pierces the heart with many griefs. It is absolutely sequential. So if I am a worshiper of money, what eventually will happen is I'll be filled with an inward focus. My heart is full of darkness. I become self-absorbed, and I fall into all kinds of griefs. And what, ang what hurts me is number seven, causing many to wander from the circle of love. So now, let me stop for a second. So I'm not just talking about money this morning. I'm talking about generosity of spirit. Dykstra's, can I say something about our, family, our relationship? You okay? So when Stephen died unexpectedly and tragically, the Dykstra's opened their home. They were generous in opening their home to us. But then what was so beautiful is so many opened your hearts to them. And there was this generosity that was just beautiful to see in the midst of such a deep, painful moment of time. I could give example after example of ways people have been blessed service. There was a group of people who serve at the well, older retired people, older than me, old people. <laughs> and they serve at the well. And they have this opportunity to receive gifts of donations, generosity, and then to share them. And this week they told about story after story after story of people being so grateful to receive such beautiful stuff at affordable costs and generosity flowed all over the place. Someone came to see me just recently <clears throat> and person before they said to me, and I'm quoting, before they became part of our church, they were not a very generous person, but they've caught a spirit of generosity here. And just recently, there was a ministry in inner city, Chicago, needing help. And never happened before. This person gave a really significant five-figure gift. He said, I've never done something like it. And he said, my heart burst with joy. Now, here's the crazy thing. Generosity affects the person who we often receives, but it also affects we who give. Yes? That's what's so Here's another story. This week, someone, first week, being a waiter, first week, being a waiter, worried about not doing a good job. So he's doing, doing his job, and he's nervous, and some a young couple picked up on it, learned his name, were very kind. And at the end of the meal, and it was not an expensive meal, and so don't, don't misread what I'm saying here now, they wrote a note of, thank you, you did a great job, and they left a $200 tip. And this young man was just like, <laughs> but he, he told his dad who told me, he said, my son was on cloud 9,000. Somebody saw him, learned his name, thanked him for what he did and left the, but he just, there's joy. There's joy, here, there's joy in generosity. Generous of time, generous of spirit, generous of just generosity. Well, let's go, look at verse 11 now, chapter six, verse 11. But, he, but Paul speaks to Timothy and says, but you, man of God, flee from all this, what we just read, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't let money control you. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And then he says later on, and the God will bless you. So let me go somewhere else now. Can you take me to number eight? Slide eight, please. Now, can we, can we, can we, quick segue timeout. 
we're working on some new ministries we're going to launch, Lord willing, in the fall. One of them is going to call T3 Academy. And in that, I've been doing a lot of research, background on all this stuff, and I've been trying to understand what are the sociological, psychological, and economic conditions that have been part of bringing us to where we are today. And one of the things that's been interesting for me, and looks beginning in the early 1950s, is to follow some, some, some tracking here. But this is one of the things that's been surprising to me, but it makes sense. One of the things they're observing since the 1950s is that we're becoming increasingly an, an apathetic people. And what their research is showing is the more we engage in screens, starting with televisions, the more apathetic we become, the less engaged. Hmm. So what they're observing, so they did it they first for fun. They said, well, they looked in multiple different disciplines. They decided to check religion, and they went to worship services all across the country. Latino, African-American, Asian, high church, low church, charismatic, across the board. They went to all the different worship services, and this is what they saw. No matter what their tradition or the ethnicity, most people in worship sat or stood like this. Why? Because they're angry? No. Because now for 70 years, we've been socialized to watch. We just watch. We just watch. So we go to our kids' games all over the country, and we watch. We might not talk to them, but we watch them. Um, follow me. We watch, we watch. So what, here, here's what I'm poking at. Is it possible that in worship in the coming year, we become more participants together? And one of the ways is having conversation. So here's a way to not watch. Now, you don't have to. If you want to be praying or saying, go ahead. But if you be open, can we just take like two minutes? Can you just run around this question with someone? Has it been my experience that generosity of any kind leads to joy? And if so, why did it happen? Why does generosity lead to joy. So, if you want to engage, you can, and if you don't want to, you don't have to. On your marks, get set, whatever you want. Go.
All right. Anybody want to just throw something out? Any, any, anything quickened for you as you listened to someone, as you shared? Any, anything just happened that, you want to sh- that I can share with all of us? Yes, that's right. What else? Yeah, Eric. So what you received after the gift was way more than the gift. You received joy in the giving. That's beautiful, beautiful. Thanks, Eric. Yes. Do you hear what he just said? Could you hear that? Okay. I'm going to talk about this man for a second. Can, you, we, can, I, can I embarrass you? Come on. Ken, <laughs> Kathy. This, our brother is fighting like crazy against cancer. Fighting like crazy. And what's so interesting is if you talk to him, you'll receive a blessing. You come to be nice to him, to be kind to him, it's going to come back at you in spades. Generous of spirit as he's fighting for his life. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. This man has a testimony in life for as long as God gives him. And it's beautiful. Can we just give the Lord thanks for this dear man? And his wife. Yep. The doers, the doers are living with generous spirit as they're facing, facing the, the ultimate enemy. Anybody else? A couple more and then I want to go a different direction. Anybody else want to share something just quickening in your spirit? Yep. E- Eli. Yep. Eli says when you give a gift, you watch the person's response and see the joy. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else over here? They're deep in thought. Okay, good. <laughs> I put people on the spot. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That, wasn't, that was a cheap shot. Um, slide nine. <clears throat> so this, this is the aspirations that, I, that I, I would like to bring to myself and I hope to us. Aspirations that l- can lead to joyful participation in the king's economy. Here they are. Here's the first aspiration. We aspire to move from pride to gratitude. Why? so that we can increasingly see life as a gift from a good king. We, we aspire to move from pride to gratitude so we can see life. And that's what Dale was talking about. When you have been told you have X long to live, life becomes a gift from a good king. Another aspiration, so we can move from coveting to contentment so that we spend the king's resources wisely. I believe, my, my, my personal theology is someday the Lord will ask me how Lane and I stewarded the money you paid us for all the years we served you. I think we will all be asked what kind of stewards have we been of the Lord's resources and relationships. So we move from coveting, 
I want, I want, I want, to contentment. St. Paul says, I've learned to be content, whether in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We aspire to move from anxiety to trust so that we can save the king's resources appropriately and then we can share them appropriately. And we can aspire to move from apathy to love so that we can share the king's resources extravagantly. So I'm gonna end now where I started and then I'm gonna invite you back in. I wanna say thank you again to the Lord and to you. Let me just give you some stories of people who have received money from us, ministries across the world. So quickly, how if you look at the annual report, which is coming out in two weeks, there are 55 designations here for benevolent resources that we give away. It starts in Pella, and it moves across the earth. So Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. So as a congregation, we start giving here locally. We go Marion County, we go the state of Iowa, we go the United States, we go the world. So I want to just share a few of these things. Some are local and some are international. Four quickly. Thank you so much for the news and the gift, a large gift. This will be such a blessing to us as we continue to build and grow our ministry of multiplying leaders and multiplying churches. This one, thank you for so much for supporting our initiative. We really appreciate the work that you've done at Third Church, the donations you gave. All the money you have given us so richly will go toward purchasing land, building a training center that will benefit many as we send missionaries across the world. Thank you, Third Church family, for continued faithful partnership because we are reaching unreached people groups across the world. And last week, two weeks ago, sitting back by Dave was someone who has, for the last 25 years, been in, in, the, in the woods, in the jungles of the Amazon. And as a church family, we have supported this group of families over these years with more than $2 million. And they are reaching people in the farthest reaches of the Amazon. Bring in the scriptures, bring in new life, and lives are being changed for eternity. I see Tim with many hands for Haiti. Joel on the board. Tim on the board. How about this one? Thank you for your gracious gift during COVID. We needed it so desperately. Because of your partnership, people all over the world are introduced to Jesus. We could not continue this work without you. And then from people who work with students, we couldn't be more thankful for Third Church's support. We thank you for the ways you pour into us that we can pour into students. And last year, more than 200 students came to faith in Christ. So can I just say thank you? Thank you. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So I'll tell you a secret. <clears throat> Next just two weeks, you're going to get a letter about our new budget. If we all give the same amount of money this year for next year, we will meet the budget and we'll give away at least $1.45 million. And it goes all over the world. Thank you. Thank you. 
There's a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, are we okay together? A couple stories? Okay? Just a couple stories. Then I want you to do something. There's, there's someone sitting here. And just quicken as I see them. At Christmas time, <clears throat> there was a really difficult situation where a, a young woman was sexually abused very, very horribly. And a clergy family, and it was very, very difficult in many ways. And this family often contacts me in December and says, we'd like to give some money to help somebody. And so I contacted them back and said, I've got a situation. And they contacted their family and their friends. I think the amount of money was eight or $9,000 to a family in absolute crisis. And that money was a lifeline that helped the family deal with immeasurable pain. I, if I had permission, I could go around this room. There's a family whose parent passed away and left our church $200,000. And that money's going to be given. I, I could go around this room. I could, I could just see stories after story after story. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for a generous heart. Thank you for a generous spirit. Thank you for generosity that just has been expressed in multiplicity of ways. So now we're going to end our service differently. So this night, I, I, was, I was priming the pump 10 minutes ago. So this is how I'd like to end. Again, no one has to do this. But could we end with five minutes of being generous to each other? Talk to someone you don't know. Say Hi learn a story, offer a prayer if needed. Let's just together be generous together as is appropriate for five minutes. Why? Remember what I said some time ago? If we can't pray in church, we probably won't pray out of church. If we can't be generous in church with each other, we probably have a hard time being generous outside. So, KevinKTRCPellet.com. On your marks, get set. Let's be generous. I'll watch the clock. It's 10:12. Five minutes. 10:17. On your marks, get set. Be generous as is appropriate. I hate, to, I hate to break out the party. Just want to say thank you. Well done, well done. So here's, here's the action step for us this week. We're going to have an action step. I'm going to offer a blessing, and I've asked Mike to lead us in the doxology. So here's the action step. So this week, can we see ourselves as ambassadors for Jesus the King? And could we surprise someone? with unexpected generosity. Why do we do it? To intentionally participate in the king's economy. Amen? Would you please stand? Let's have the blessing and then doxology. So as you leave this place, leave with the blessing of the Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the presence, the power, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you now and always. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
Praise Him, all creatures, here below. Praise 